0: Welcome to Create English on Ripollet Radio. My name is Gabor. I'm the host of the program. And we're going to do, as usual, our 30-minute program in English here today. It's March, so this is our March edition in 2021. Our episode is going to be about a couple of things here today. We're going to start with the one-minute question... Then, we're going to talk about some mistakes that Spanish speakers make because they think in Spanish when they express themselves in English and how it affects their speaking. And then I'm going to speak about uh, the use of modal verbs and a bit of rhythm in English. And there will be a song also. So, let's get started! Okay, let's uh, begin with our first question, our one-minute question and this is uh, actually about the use of alone. So the question is, which is correct of these three? We were alone for dinner, we were alone to dinner, or we were alone dining. Now the student probably wants to say that they were dining alone instead of saying alone first and dining second like we were alone dining i think i'd say we were dining alone however dining sounds quite formal so I'd, i i'd just go for we were alone at dinner or we had dinner alone as simple as that if you want to say dining and you want to say alone first then it sounds quite like uh, a narrative use so like you're telling a story in a narrative form. So I could imagine that. But then you would need to use some pause as you read it out. Something like this, for example, we were alone dining when the rain started to beat hard on the roof, for example, or something like that. You know, telling a story uh, that you were dining, you were alone, no company, when it started to rain. Okay, But in spoken English, I would just use it in a different way. I would just say, we were alone at dinner, or we had dinner alone. Okay, good question. Interesting, a little bit of reaching into like literature. Okay, and now let's keep going. Here's the next thing we're going to talk about, and that is... A few tips for Spanish speakers uh, to help them reduce the interference between Spanish and English. That is um, how the way they speak English is influenced by the way they think in Spanish. Yeah, so actually I'm just going to pick some examples from my blog. Here uh, there's a list of tips for Spanish speakers. So here's one. Can I say this when I answer an email late? Sorry for my delay in answering. This was a question of a student working at a company, who sometimes had to answer emails um, late, for whatever reason. And then uh, the question is, can I use sorry for my delay in answering? You know, is this the right way to say it? In English, not really. This sounds a little strange. And it's probably because the word delay is not so much used with uh, people. It's usually used more with projects and transport processes and stuff. So when you use it in a personal way, like you had no time to accomplish a task or to do something before the deadline, then I wouldn't use delay in this personal way. I would rather say something like, my apologies for answering late. So my delay sounds strange, you know. I mean you can stay formal but you can use other forms. So I would say something different like my apologies for answering late or I am sorry for answering late or my apologies for not answering earlier. Yeah, so these would be better sounding to me than my delay. Okay, here's another one. Again, a question basically. When asking about the availability, someone's availability, someone's um, uh, schedule, someone's timetable. Can I say this? Can I ask it this way? Do you have availability next Tuesday? Now, again, in Spanish, you would say um, tienes disponibilidad para la reunión or whatever. Yeah, it sounds okay in Spanish, but but in English, availability is not used this way with have. I wouldn't say cannot be understood, but it sounds strange to me. So I would rather use something like, are you available? Okay, so are you available on Tuesday? Or would Tuesday 20th be good? Or you could even say, can you do Tuesday 20th? This do is quite usual in business. for you know, asking about Timetables. So can you do Tuesday 20th? If you really want to use availability, the word availability, when asking about the schedule, then instead of saying, do you have availability? You could say, what is your availability next week? This is an open question. Instead of, do you have, which would be a yes or no question. Okay, let's do one more. This one is interesting too. It's because, uh, well, the question is, Why is this incorrect if you talk about the number of people? We are 20 in the group. So the Spanish Somos, right, um, can have two meanings. Somos profesores or Somos tres, which means one is about the description, the job description, like we are teachers. Okay. But the second one is about the number of people. And in that case, uh, it sounds odd to say we are 20. Because in English, when you say, we are, plus a number, you know, the first thing you think of is age. So if you say, we are 20, you know, it sounds like we are 20 years old. So while you can use the translation, we are, for somos, when you mean the profession, like teachers, we are teachers, somos profesores. Okay, perfect. But if you say, somos tres, somos veinte, or lo que sea, say we are 20 you know that just indicates you are 20 years old rather than the number of people and i would suggest using other forms for example there are 20 people in the group this sounds good okay so instead of saying we are you say there are there are which is indicating existence of things or in this case people if you want to include yourself in the group, saying Somos 20 en el grupo, you could say, we are a group of 20, or we are a group of 20 people, or there are 20 of us in the group. This is a little bit more complicated maybe, but that's, it sounds good. There are 20 of us in the group. and. There's something you can say with we are. Like you can say we are three math teachers. But then you're defining yourself. So you're going to continue with some other information. For example, we are three math teachers who also like music and dancing. So you're describing yourself. Your focus is not the number of people. Your focus is giving some information. Um, giving some details about yourselves. All right. Now... These three points are also on my blog, so if you want to just review and check again what I've just explained, you can go to createenglish.com and you will find it there under the free stuff menu point. But anyway, I'm going to put the link down in the description of this program, so just look for materials for Spanish speakers to find these points explained there. You're listening to Create English on Ripollet Radio with Gabor Ligradi. Okay, let's keep moving. In the next part, I'm going to explain something. I'm going to talk about something related to speech, training, and fluency. And this is actually um, uh, about the modal verbs in the past. So, in my experience with my students, uh, my Spanish-speaking students mostly is that they, um, they sometimes try to overemphasize words. They just say words, uh, make them, first of all, to sound too important in the sense of accentuation. So they put too much stress on the word in the sentence, while in English, not every word receives the same amount of stress. And actually, I don't think it does in Spanish either, but however, when you compare the two languages, The music of the two languages there is a difference to my ears um, if I were to describe this with a musical term I would say that Spanish to me sounds more staccato and um, of course this is very generic so I mean but uh, to help Spanish learners to make their speech a bit more fluent you know this might help as an idea so here we go listen to this um, guide here that I'm going to give about speech fluency using modal verbs and how to accentuate them uh, to actually not just speak better but also to understand speakers. This is actually from a video tutorial that will be available from my blog as well. So here we go. Today let's talk about should've, could've, must've and other examples that relate to the musical quality. Of spoken English. Why is this important? The more you work on your speaking, the better your ear will be trained, because you will be saying things the right way and the way you should expect them to be said and to be pronounced in films or by native speakers. Look at this example. You could have told us there are five words here, but not each of these five words is going to get the same accentuation or the same stress amount of power in the text. When we write them down, we write them separately. But when we pronounce them, when we read them, say them aloud, we don't separate these words one by one. In fluent speech, we give importance to certain words and less importance in accentuation to other words. It makes speaking more fluent. I often hear students overemphasize words. You could have told us not necessary you could have told us you could have told us so let's look at this in two blocks block one you could have block two told us you could have you could have told us told us told us so what happens is the lower intensity words are joined together with the higher intensity words you could have It's not have. It's not could have. Could have. Let's practice the sound. Of. 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 Together with could. Could have. Could have. Second part. Told us. Told us. Could have told us. Could have told us. And the whole line from beginning to end is you could have told us. You could have told us. You could've told us. The same goes for should and may and must. Another example with could have. Could've. He could have changed it. Could've changed it. He could've changed it. He could've changed it. it. Alright, let's practice. Of. Of. Could've. Could've. Of. 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 Could've. 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 Alright, let's do it with should. Of of, should've, should've, of, 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 should've, should've seen it, seen it, should've seen it, seen it, seen it, it. they should've seen it. Okay, how does this come together in spoken language? Listen, I'm just going to read these out simply. You could have told us. They should have seen it. We may have been there. He could have changed it. She must have checked it. Okay, I hope this was useful. So the point is, not every word is stressed the same way in English. Or rather, it gives its uh, uh, characteristic fluency that makes it different from other languages. And that was what I wanted to point out with this exercise on modal verbs. Okay, in this part, we're going to listen to a song, which is not really a song. It's more like a chant song kind of thing that I wrote to teach beginners, elementary level students to, uh, to practice vocabulary professions, jobs, and, you know, things that people do in that particular occupation. So take a listen, and I'll be commenting a few things here. I'm a baker. I make bread. I'm a baker. I make bread. I'm a cook. I cook food. I'm a cook. I cook food. Yeah, so as you can hear, there's always a profession first and then something related to that profession. For example, the first one is a baker and a baker makes bread. And this is very basic. This is for beginners and elementary students. So if you are a beginner or elementary student and you want to practice, Some vocabulary, you know, professions and things that go uh, with these professions, then this is a cool song that you can uh, practice with. So, first, the profession. I'm a whatever, yeah? I'm a baker, I'm a florist. I'm a florist, I sell flowers. I'm a florist, I sell flowers. So first you get the profession, and then you get what the person does or what the person produces or makes. And the parts are first the profession, then the words separately, and then together. So it's good for fluency practice. So just, you know, I'm a baker, I make bread. We don't speak like this. I make bread. Bread, it's only the practice part. And then, I'm a baker, I make bread, which is the complete form of saying who you are and what you do. So, this is the way that I suggest that you practice with the song. Now, uh, for the first listening, here are some tasks. Just listen and take a note, and take note mentally, or if you want to piece of paper and a pen, you can just write down in what order the uh, professions come in the song. They're going to be mixed, so in what order do these come? Builder, baker, driver, teacher, waiter, florist, cook, doctor. Okay, let me repeat. Builder, Baker, driver, teacher, waiter, florist, cook, doctor. If this was too fast, just stop, go back, rewind, you know, and take note and then listen and just number them like one, two, three, four in the order that you hear them in the song. Here we go. I'm a baker. I make bread. I'm a baker. I make bread. I'm a cook. I cook food. I'm a cook. I cook food. I'm a teacher. I teach math. I'm a teacher. I teach math. I'm a doctor. I cure people, I'm a doctor, I cure people. I'm a waiter, I serve food. I'm a waiter, I serve food. I'm a builder, I build houses. I'm a builder, I build houses. I'm a florist, I sell flowers. A florist I sell flowers I'm a driver I drive cars I am a driver I drive cars right so I'm going to give you the correct order now if you don't want to hear it yet because you want to do the exercise again just go back play it again listen take note or number the order that they come in and then listen to my answers which are the following baker cook teacher doctor waiter builder florist driver okay so this is the order they come in in the song now the second thing to do is to listen for the words that Go with these professions in the song for example for Baker bread it's pretty obvious but still what words do you hear related to the professions not what they do but what they produce or who they work with basically you need to listen to the last word in each line so take a note of those words here we go. I'm a baker. I make bread. There you go. Baker, bread. I'm a cook. I cook food. This was cook and food. Food. I'm a teacher. I teach math. I'm... A Teacher Math. I'm a doctor. I cure people. I doctor, people. I'm a waiter. I serve food. Waiter, food. I'm a builder. I build houses. Builder, houses. I'm a florist. I sell flowers. Florist. Flowers. Flowers. I'm a driver. I drive cars. Driver. Cars. Yeah, okay, great. Now that you know the profession and you know the product or the result of what they do, let's listen one more time and let's just Listen for the verbs that are used to connect these words. So, for example, baker and bread are connected with make, yeah? I make bread, because that's the verb, that's the the word that expresses how that thing is produced, created, made. In this case, I'm a baker, I make bread. Let's listen again and just listen for the words between the profession, and the last word that you have written down on a piece of paper, I suppose. Or have remembered, if you have good memory. Here we go. I'm a baker. I make bread. I'm a baker. I make bread. Great. The word here is make. I'm a cook. I cook food. I'm a cook. I cook food cook as a verb I'm a teacher I teach math I'm a teacher I teach math Teach. I'm a doctor I cure people I'm a doctor I cure people cure for the doctor I'm a waiter I serve food I'm a waiter I serve food serve for the waiter I'm a builder, I build houses, I'm a builder, I build houses, easy, build I'm a florist, I sell flowers, I'm a florist, I sell flowers, sell for the florist I'm a driver, I drive cars, I'm a driver, I drive cars And easy again, drive for the driver, right There you go. Now you have the whole text and now you can listen again and practice just for rhythm, just for pronunciation. And have fun if you like the song, of course. I'm going to put the YouTube link to this song uh, which you can listen to from there as well. It will be in the description of the program. Right, and in the remaining time let's just talk about something that's again something very very important in english and that's the famous phrasal verbs uh yeah the eternal question is how can you learn a phrasal verb or the list of phrasal verbs or how can you learn phrasal verbs in general you know and um, i'm going to give you some tips regarding this so first of all what are phrasal verbs yeah phrasal verbs are a verb and a particle. That means a verb and a preposition or a verb and an adverb. Uh, usually it's a preposition. Um, it can be one or two prepositions and sometimes three. The point is that just because you put a verb and a preposition together, it doesn't mean that it's a phrasal verb in the sense that it doesn't really create a new phrase or a new meaning. So it isn't really difficult to learn those. Like for example, stand up, like you have a verb, stand up. Is it difficult to learn this? Or difficult to know what it means? No, so I wouldn't call this a phrasal verb in this sense. Phrasal verbs usually have like a one word substitute, that's another characteristic. So so for example, to continue, right? Continue is like a formal sounding word or more formal sounding than to say go on. Or for example, put off which means to postpone. Um, to say postpone is okay for a meeting or a, the beginning of a project or whatever. Like, for example, you, you wanted to organize um, a birthday party, but you had to put it off because of the bad weather or whatever. You could say, we well, we had to postpone the birthday party. Sounds kind of strange. Like, I would say put off sounds better here. It's just more conversational. So... How can you learn phrasal verbs if you just try and memorize them uh, from a list you know it's going to be like almost like putting a dictionary into your head but how much of use is that really? So there's not one way of learning phrasal verbs. Memorizing them from a list can be you know can do some good in terms of being able to recall their meaning but it doesn't mean you will be able to use them. You might be able to recall them for a test How can you improve that? Well, you should learn and memorize Example sentences In spoken contexts So I think it's even better to do that Than just uh, memorizing You know the, uh, The phrasal verb and the meaning Next time I'm going to give you Some specific examples Of how to do that But for now This is just what I wanted to explain That Uh, there's not one way you can do several things obviously there are tests also that you can do there are you know funny uh, I mean there are resources where you have like funny cartoons where you know using one or another phrasal verbs just creates a funny situation or a funny uh, meaning so all that is fine but step one obviously is decide, make a decision like, okay, I want to start using phrasal verbs, so you need to be aware that you want to do that and you need to be on the outlook for these uh, opportunities when you speak when you write if you learn example sentences not just the phrasal verbs on their own this can help you to remember how the phrasal verbs are used actually in context and not have to improvise when you want to Use them. So, if you want to know more about phrasal verbs, just keep listening to my future programs. We'll be talking about this and other things, of course. Speech training, listening, and you know, other tips for you to improve your English. We've come to the end of the program. So, again, uh, today was great. Thanks for listening. And uh, we've done a couple of things. You know, we had our first one-minute students' question, and then we talked about a couple of things. Or Spanish speakers specifically. Then we looked at modal verbs and uh, how to improve the rhythm of English when using modal verbs. And then uh, we had a song about uh, professions for beginners and elementary learners and some quick learning tips on phrasal verbs. For more information and more tips, check out my blog at createenglish.com. You can find the link in the description of the program. Thanks for listening. This was Gabor Ligradi with Create English on Riboyot Radio. Talk to you next time. Take care and bye now.